Welcome in to this edition of the Illini cast and we have another Illinois victory to talk about this is incredible Illinois defeats Indiana 48 to 45 and I really thought this game was going to be like a Big Ten West sort of game but a Pac-12 game broke out and 48 45 Sonny what are your initial thoughts on this game? I mean, I think the over was hit in the first half of this game. It's uh, you know, first off, I want to say happy Diwali to those who celebrate, and also happy John Paddock season. I mean, geez, five hundred yards, second all time, I think, uh, in an Illini uniform. Um, we got some questions, Austin. You know, we, we got some yeah. stuff, stuff to talk about this episode. It, exactly. I mean. What's going to happen now at the quarterback position? The rest of I'm kidding. Luke Altmyer seems to be the guy, but it does at least raise a couple questions in your mind. But it's just amazing that a guy like Paddock can come in and be serviceable. How many times has there been a backup situation for Illinois football? And there's just no good things that you can talk about with it. And at least with Paddock, my goodness, he gives you a chance to win every time he uh, has to start or has to play. Awesome. What if, what if I told you that I don't think it's actually automatically Altmaier anymore? Um, I, I'd still call you a little crazy. I, Indiana I is a terrible, and I mean terrible defense. The fact that Illinois was able to put up 600-plus yards in this game uh, should tell you something about that Indiana Hoosiers defense and why Tom Allen might have his demise at the end of the year. Um, but I think the body of work showcases that Luke Altmaier is still the guy. I love the spark that Paddock has brought, but I still think if healthy, Luke Altmaier still has to be your starting quarterback. And then if he struggles, then maybe it's a conversation. But right now, Luke is your starting quarterback. Which, again, I'm not saying I disagree with your point. But after the game, I've just been thinking it over and over. Paddock has, you know, if there's one thing about this kid is he exudes confidence. And you can see it on the players, you know, the wide receivers, the offensive linemen. The offensive line probably had their best game of the season on Saturday. You know, all our running backs, meaning Reggie Love, had, you know, wide gaping holes to go through. Um, what I like about Paddock is he – Throws the ball immediately. I think I saw a stat like it takes an average of 2.4 seconds for him to release the ball. That makes your offensive line a little bit better. Um, for me, I'm just trying to ponder now. The guy's confidence is sky high. He's obviously, he just had a 507-yard passing game. We've got Iowa coming in. The best defense in the country, uh, possibly. If we start Altmaier and Altmaier starts a little slow, the itch is going to be there to bring in Paddock after what he did last week. People are going to be wondering, like, you know, hey, um, like, you got to take advantage of the momentum. You know, Pad like, if Paddock struggles, Luke, Luke is your quarterback moving forward. He is your guy. You know, you can make the excuse. I know he was cleared on Friday night uh, to play if he wanted to on Saturday, but he just didn't get any practice sessions in. But no one's going to you know, uh, give you any trouble to rest a quarterback who just came off of a concussion. For me, gun to my head right now, I think I start Paddock. 
I see what he can do. Um, maybe this just could be like a magical storybook. You know, like stories like this is why sports exist. And so right now, actually, and I'm a big Altmaier guy. You know I am. But I think I start Paddock uh, in Iowa City. I, I have a toy figurine and behind me. And it reminds me a lot of the situation right now. And it refers to this guy right here. <laughs> Back in the day in 2017 and 2018, there was a little bit of a quarterback controversy between a talented Carson Wentz and a really high momentum Nick Foles uh, going on. Nick Foles obviously beat the Bears in the double doink game, led the Eagles to the Super Bowl no the year need to before. Bring that part up. You, you could have <laughs> skipped that point, but okay. Carson Wentz uh, <laughs> it was a more talented quarterback than Nick Foles, but Nick Foles had all the momentum. I believe in the physical tools of Luke Altmaier, just like I did the physical tools of Carson Wentz back in the day. So I think you've got to go with the guy who gives you the best chance to win, and you never know when that momentum valve is going to shut off for Paddock. Is it against a Iowa defense who is vicious, who is going to get after Paddock more than um, that Indiana was able to? And you look at the separation that the wide receivers were getting against Indiana. I don't think that's going to be the case against this Iowa secondary either. Um, I mean, you look at what Illinois did offensively with their receivers, 200 yards receiving for Isaiah Williams. I think that's doable kind of once again, because Isaiah Williams is the guy on this Illinois offense, but Pat Bryant, 131 yards, Casey Washington, 99 yards. Both of those guys scored a touchdown. And I think that, this Indiana secondary gave Paddock all the all the tools and all the availability in the world to make the plays. I think you need a guy who's more seasoned in this offense, like Luke Altmaier against a team like Iowa. And I'm not saying you're wrong, and I might change my mind tomorrow. I'm just saying right now, if I make the decision, I do think that the Brett that Brett and the staff have a decision to make. I don't think it's you know a foregone conclusion. With Altmaier, um, I do know that when they're going to be watching the tape of Indiana and Luke Luke's going to be in that quarterback room and he's going to see some of those wide open holes where Isaiah Williams just gets behind the Indiana secondary. He's going to look around like I haven't I haven't gotten that all season long, you know, in mm -hmm. the one game he sits out. So I, I like Luke. I think he's the best uh, quarterback in the Western Division. And this is nothing against him. This is merely one of those, as you talked about earlier with the Foles and Wentz thing. Foles went and the Eagles went on and won the Super Bowl that year. Yep. So for me, it's just, you know, uh, there's three, uh, two games left, three uh, bowl game. Um, like you said, you know, the momentum might run out, but we can figure that out in, an, in a quarter and a half in Iowa City. If all of a sudden Paddock's not able to connect those throws and he's not able to get the ball out quickly and we realize that we're going to need, uh, need Luke's legs, that's fine. Let's just bring Luke in then. But I think if we go the opposite direction, where we bring Luke in first and he struggles, I just think, especially with our Illinois fan base and how fickle we can be, that, you know, the social media is going to be going off. We should have started Paddock. You know, then the media is going to talk about it. How do you bench a guy who just had the drive of his life the week before, then throws for 507 yards last game. Um, the second best uh, – QB yardage in the Big Ten in like 10 years or something like that. 
And uh, I just think that's why you start with a paddock because you always know you have Altmeyer in case the magic has run out. I really wish the Big Ten didn't institute the injury report this year because at least you would have to have two quarterbacks to think about if you're uh, Kirk Ferentz and the Iowa defensive staff where it's two completely different kind of game plans, uh, it feels like, between these two. So that injury report kind of dismantles one of the advantages of the mystery of Paddock versus Altmeyer uh, come Saturday. So, uh, but going back to our original point of of Altmeyer versus Paddock, I, I just struggle. I feel like you can get the momentum back if Paddock comes in the second half if Luke Altmeyer ultimately struggles. I feel like if you're bringing Altmeyer in in the second half, I think the momentum will be harder to gain back, if that makes sense. So I think you kind of have to ride what your original play was with Luke Altmeyer and then bring in the boost of Attic versus the opposite where Altmeyer feels disrespected uh, having to sit just because he was injured for a couple games. So I think that's the psychological play that could be in Illinois' benefit if you ultimately start Altmeyer. Speaking of psychological plays, though, you know, you were just talking about the injury list. Don't you think, though, all week long, like, do you think we're going to get a confirmed quarterback right away? I don't think so. I, uh, I don't know the exact rules of the injury report for the Big Ten. I think uh, there's like two of them, if I'm not mistaken, like one midweek and then one um, uh, on Saturday for the betting public. Um, right. So. I don't know the exact rules, but it's something that I'm definitely following this week uh, before the Iowa game. But what I'm saying is even if Altmeyer is deemed clear, like I can see Brett playing a psychological you know, game with the Iowa folks and saying, you know, hey, you know, Paddock had the game of his life. You know, we're going to talk about it in the locker room. We're not sure who's going to go first. We're going to keep checking on Luke, see how he's feeling, you know, just basically circle around actually making a decision so that you know Iowa has to waste resources has to waste time preparing for two different quarterbacks and two very different uh stylistic quarterbacks so actually now that I'm thinking about it like I wonder if we if Brett even announces who the starting quarterback is tomorrow or if he kind of feeds the frenzy and you know is kind of aloof about it and says you know not that he's going to say it's a uh, quarterback controversy I think he may just talk about you know hey we may give Luke another week off so it doesn't look like it's a controversy if that makes sense I mean I ultimately think that he's going to announce Altmeyer if Altmeyer is indeed healthy I know there's the gamesmanship but knowing who Brett is and the kind of players coach that he is I mean hell he even called Luke Altmeyer after that Penn State game and he had four interceptions in that game like hey don't worry you are the quarterback um I, I think there's going to be some of that play involved because I don't think you want to have this looming over Altmeyer's head that late into the week and then come Saturday and like even if you are saying things in the background like Luke you're the quarterback I just can't announce it um I, I think that public sentiment of the quarterback controversy, I think that would loom large in Luke's head. I think he's going to announce it immediately if Luke Altmeyer is indeed healthy enough to play.
I think, yeah, we'll see. You know, I'm, I'm very interested now. It's something I'll be watching. I think our, we have what press conferences on Mondays and Wednesdays. Uh, he goes up yeah. to the podium. So uh, it'll be interesting. Cause I know that has to be the first question that someone's going to ask him. I mean, I did not have this on my bingo card to start the year or even midseason, especially after watching that Penn State game. I tweeted yeah. out during the Penn State game. I said, Paddock looks like he hasn't even thrown a college football before in his life. And I know that game was a cluster from minute zero to the final uh, final clock hitting zero, 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 zero. But Paddock, I, I got to say, what a great improvement he's had in practice and then these last couple games, I mean, it's 24 for 36, 507 yards, four touchdowns, one interceptions, and an 81.8 quarterback rating for him. But that's not the total story of what this offense was uh, throughout the game. I mean, Reggie loved the third. I mean, way to come back, Reggie. I mean, uh, every one, every Atlanta fan, including myself, had you thrown to the, thrown away into the trash for Caden Fegan and Caden gets a little dinged up. I don't know what the status is for him uh, against Iowa, but Reggie Love nice twenty four carries back later in the game though. So yes. that, that's gonna be promising. Yes, uh, twenty four carries one hundred and forty yards for Reggie Love, two touchdowns on the day, and then receiving wise Isaiah Williams two touchdowns, and then Pat Bryant and Casey Washington. Uh, this is the ultimate. I didn't see coming. Both scoring a touchdown in a single game i mean that was phenomenal to see so a lot of the parts offensively were working so i guess the iowa game is going to figure out was this more indiana's terrible defense or was it a turning corner for barry lunny and this offense to finally get something to click regardless of who the quarterback is and when caden went down in that first half up until that point we were moving the ball in the first quarter, yeah. actually, we were moving the ball. We were making making nice progress, and then he gets taken out. Uh, well, he's forced out, and I think it was like the first two or three runs that Reggie Love had. He was basically met right at the scrimmage, and we didn't get any yardage. And my confidence level started to waver. There's like, oh no, you know, it's like, what are we going to do now? Uh, especially with our backup quarterback in. So I wonder, um, I don't think we'll ever know the answer to this, but was this Barry Lunny Jr. running a different kind of offense, like one that he'd planned all along, or was it just purely forced? I mean, Reg, if Reggie, imagine Reggie Love getting hurt midway in that game. Who is our running back? You know, like I have no idea who the uh, – uh, I mean, you can't move Isaiah Williams back there with how he's doing in the passing game as of late. So mm -hmm. that takes that option out. So do you uh, do you go Nick Fidanzo because he played running back in high school uh, just as that emergency running back? I mean, that's kind of your only option at that point, which is scary. Exactly. So for me, I think, you know, there may have been a line of thinking where Barry's like, I can't keep just giving it to my running back. Uh, I, I've got to balance it out this way. And, you know, just because you can't get him hurt. And it was working. You know, yeah. Paddock was making throw after throw. And like you said, all three receivers for the first time all season made the catches we expected them to make all season long. They kept the chains moving. Once the chains kept moving, guess what? The, the holes in the offense, offensive line started opening up. 
Reggie Love had his best game in how long? Like, of course, this year, but I'm trying to think back uh, last year. We're talking about four guys on our offense who had, when that's not even including the quarterback, of course, who just had one of their best games in that I can remember. And, uh, yeah, I, I feel bad for Tom Allen in, in Indiana. Like, you know, we joked around about this, like, especially with my text to you, they were sound, starting to sound panicky because I was on the LEO podcast with uh, uh, the Indiana boys. No, actually, we had them on our podcast. And the way they were talking is, like, they were going to have John Paddock lined up. It would have been, no, like, no big deal. They had just done this the week before to Wisconsin. So I texted you. I was like, oh, you know, now I'm worried. If Altmaier's out, I think we lose. And uh, the, the way the game turned out with Paddock, the guy, they were so confident that if he was in, that they were going to beat us by eight, nine points. And then him coming in, throwing for 500-plus yards. Like, it's just, what a weekend. What a weekend. I mean, Paddock joined a club with, like, Sindelar from Purdue back in the day. Uh, C.J. Stroud of Ohio State of over 500 yards passing in a game. I mean, that's kind of incredible in and of itself. But there was some bad that took place in this game, and – it rhymes with offense, but starts with a D. It's defense. That was a horrendous performance by the secondary um, and something that I didn't really expect of an Indiana offense to just dice up this Illinois defense like they did. Especially without their two of their top wide receivers. Oh, yeah, I that mean, was a problem. That game that Taz had was one of the worst performances I've seen from a defensive back. And to have it at the exclamation point with him getting kicked out for that spitting, it's just like, I don't know if he's going through something, if it was just a bad game or what, but he was getting beat by that freshman almost every single time. And, uh, yeah, it's one of those where, you know, Barry Lunny, A-plus, good work. Aaron Henry, what was that? I mean, Indiana's not supposed to be that good. I mean, and you saw Soresby kind of picking on Xavier Scott a little bit there too around the third and fourth quarter. I mean, hell, it was probably the entire game. Um, but Xavier Scott had a pitiful performance in coverage. I mean, you look at this Indiana receiving game, Donovan McCulley, 11 receptions, 137 yards, two touchdowns with a long catch of 41 yards. And then Dequeese Carter, 55 yards receiving EJ Williams, Jr. 54. I mean, this was a situation where I thought Illinois defensively in the secondary was going to have one of their better-ish games, especially with the wide receivers that were out for Indiana. And the fact that the Indiana offense exploded for 45 points was just mind-blowingly bad. And Aaron Henry has a lot to think about this week. I know that the Iowa offense is in a much different place than this Indiana offense, but you at least got to stop them from getting that 14, 20 point game. But with the way the receivers of Indiana felt were receiving, the Iowa receivers have got to be getting pretty confident about what they can do against Illinois. I mean, Iowa just had 400 yards against Rutgers. Yep. So, you know, it's not like they're incapable of it. So, yeah, I mean, you're right. It's, uh, it's going to be one of those games where, I mean, it's, I feel like this is just what the season has been like. You know, everything that we predicted, it goes opposite. And then once we change our mind, it turns back around again. You know, right. I, I I saw predictions all over. 
And I don't think I saw one person predicting the over in this game. You know, my prediction was 21-13, I think I said. Uh, and, you know, down 28-12? Yeah. <laughs> We're down 28-12? I didn't think we, we had the type of team to come back from something like that. And it's just one of those things where, you know, this team continues to surprise you over and over again. Some surprises making you happy. Some surprises making you just super sad. I mean, it's so crazy, especially with how the Illinois defense performed against Minnesota, at least in the second half. I know 26 points is a lot in the Big Ten West, but still only allowing 26 points when your best player was out for the first half. And um, so I, I feel like this Illinois defense, I felt like it, I was a little more confident in, but then that confidence just gets washed away so quickly. And it's not like Soresby brought like, a different element to the table that Illinois hasn't seen. It wasn't like they were going up against Kansas offense or anything. So that was very, very concerning uh, seeing how that defensive game plan uh, shaped up. Yeah. I'm sorry to be, I think he, I think he's a pretty decent quarterback and I think yeah. he's going to have a pretty good future with Indiana. And uh, I think we got saved in that fourth quarter with a couple of those QB draw plays that the Indiana folks were running. I don't understand why they did. And, you know, it ended up in our benefit. So it's uh, it was a tough game, but one we needed, you know, Austin, we're now at five and five. You look at those big 10 West standings. It's Iowa up there. It's Purdue, a game behind everyone. And then everyone else at three and four, <laughs> five and five, um, you know, congrats to Brett. Five wins, uh, three years in a row. He's the first uh, Illinois head coach to do that in, I think, like 30 years, I think I saw. Um, yeah, since like 2000 or 1998, something along those lines. Okay, yeah, it's something like that. So it's like, you know, as much as we've been complaining, um, he's still raising the floor of this program, and that's kind of what we asked for. Um, in a way, we don't quite control our own fate. For the Big Ten West, you know, we're going to need, but if we beat Iowa, then we become the biggest Nebraska Cornhusker fans, you know, and hope that they <laughs> can take care of Iowa in that Black Friday game. And then who knows? Maybe maybe it's too early to cancel that reservation in Indianapolis, Austin. Who knows? <laughs> I, I mean, I, I thought the floor was dropping exponentially uh, for this Illini football program. And the fact that Brett has got you back to 500, that's just incredible. One game away from a bowl. These next two aren't going to be easy against Iowa and Northwestern. Northwestern has proven that they are a force, and maybe it's to Illinois' benefit because maybe it might trick them into hiring their interim coach long-term, uh, which might help out in the future. But in the short term, this Illinois team has some battles to go, and but I do have faith if one or the other, if the defense shows up for a game or if the offense shows up for a game, I think that's enough to get the job done, at least against Northwestern. Iowa, it's going to have to be a more combined effort, but you have seen the pieces of a defensive standout game, an offensive standout game. Now it's constantly about putting those two together. And that's been the bugaboo for this Illini football team this whole season long. But I say that, 
and they're five and five and they could be making a bowl game for a second straight year, which is just incredible in the short term of an Illinois football coach, because how many times have we seen the roller coaster hit of bowl game crash down bowl game crash down the fact that three straight seasons of five wins possible two seasons of a bowl in a row that sets you up for this newfound Big Ten with four extra teams coming in shows that you're at least not a bottom feeder, and it shows that you can be at least be competitive against those four teams coming in. And we remember a month ago, we were talking about how badly you know a three-win season was going to do for recruiting momentum. You know, yes. uh, momentum going into with the four new teams coming in next year, everyone being able to pinpoint and like opposing coaches essentially. Uh, using it to recruit against us, saying, look, that one year was a fluke. Now, at the very least, we're going to finish the season with five wins, which is not ideal, but it's a decent... But it's not a dagger to the heart of the program. Exactly. It's not not debilitating. We'll survive. Um, So it's, you know, congrats to the staff. Our last, what, is it four games now? Like we've, outside one quarter where we looked horrendous, we looked like the you know competent, solid Big Ten West team that you and I have been yelling like crazy people to others uh, that we always thought that they were. And you know I'm not sure what it was. Um, I you know has a lot to do with you know finding that running game, Caden Fagan just coming in and just establishing um, that running game that you know we were lacking at the beginning of the year. They had to move the offensive line around a little bit and had some moving parts, but it seems that they've found a group that's fitting well together and they've kind of, um, you know, merged and they're performing well right when I need them. So it's it's one of those where no matter what happens at this point, um, it's it, it's a positive step moving forward. Or it may, it may not be a positive step, but this season is no longer a big step backwards. You know, we had that narrative that, yeah, we lost three guys to the NFL in the top 70 picks. We lost like eight guys, but three in the top 70 picks. This was supposed to be a rebuilding year. You know, we lost a lot of talent on defense. Mm-hmm. And the fact that on a rebuilding year, our our down year, uh, we won minimum five games. You know, that I would have taken that in a heartbeat six, seven, eight years ago. Absolutely. I mean, again, the rebuilds have gone horribly for Illinois, where it's just been like one win or two wins because you lost a Whitney Merciless or or someone along those that ilk, which Illinois has in a top five NFL draft pick in Devin Witherspoon, a fourth round pick in Sidney Brown, a fifth round pick in Chase Brown. The talent loss was incredible. And I thought that Brett's next man up philosophy would help out with that. That's why I predicted Illinois to have such a good year uh, before the season. Obviously, those lumps did take form. Like you would have loved to have an Alex Palcheski on this Illini football team this year. Uh, so those holes were massive. But throughout the season, it started off awfully rough, but they've at least solidified some positions. They've at least coached some guys up to be competent and to win or to be in one possession in the Big Ten. I mean, you look at this Illinois football schedule as of late, that Nebraska game, that very well is basically like a one-possession game, lost 20-7, to just like three plays away. Hate to be a Tim Beckman here. Um, but then Illinois beat Maryland. Then that Wisconsin-Illinois game, one-possession game, obviously had the huge lead in the fourth quarter. Illinois beat Minnesota. 
Now Illinois has beat Indiana. I mean, that's a stretch where in years past, Illinois football programs would have just folded, thrown it away into the year. We're done. When's basketball season really begin? And now you're looking at this game where Iowa is a three and a half point favorite, re- regardless of who the quarterback is right now for Illinois. It opened at six and a half. Did it already move three points already? Yes, it is a three and a half point game. Uh, wow, a lot of money coming to Iowa. Illinois then. Yes. Wow. Um, and then Northwestern Illinois, that's probably going to be like a minus two points Illinois in favored or something along those lines. I don't know. We'll have to figure out what injuries take place between now and then. But I mean, this is kind of where you want Illinois at Illinois at, at a program right now. Yes, the standard is going to get higher and higher as years go on. But in the very toddler stages of this Brett Bielema um, lifespan, this is extremely great progress to be possibly a six or seven win team if you went out and then the bowl game is whatever and who was going to play in that bowl game. But right now, good work, Brett Bielema. Just cobble the offense and defense together these next two games and another special thing might happen. And then you have all the momentum in the world for this transfer portal in the offseason. I mean, you look at that Big Ten West, you know, like it's, we're not the only ones having a season like this. Literally every mm-hmm. other team in our division is having very similar conversations to the one that you and I are having right now. You know, Wisconsin was sky high after beating us. You know, their their accounts were trolling Brett, this and that. They've had two super embarrassing losses in a row. Uh, no one saw this Northwestern game happening. Like, they only scored, like, late in the fourth quarter their first touchdown. It was a yeah. complete domination on Northwestern's part. Um, you know, obviously Purdue lost. You know, well, Purdue just had soundly beat Minnesota. You know, Minnesota was in first place and or, controlled their own fate just three weeks ago. So it's you know it's one of those where I have no idea what the standings are going to look like uh, two weeks from now uh, at the conclusion of the regular season. All I know is that Illinois is right in the thick of it. And a month ago, after that Nebraska game, after that Purdue game, I thought the season was over. You know, yeah. I thought, I mean, I the two easiest games on our schedule, we had just lost Purdue. We were completely embarrassed by. And then we had what we thought the toughest chunk of our season coming up. And all we've done is basically gone undefeated, except for uh, Johnny Newton's bad penalty and you know losing that fourth quarter uh, giving up 18 uh, an 18 point lead but uh again this is why brett gets paid millions and this is why you and i sit here in front of a microphone every every week you know just talking about it because you know what he's done and what the staff has done has been an amazing job i mean absolutely i mean the expectations of Wisconsin going into the year were not met. And that's a Luke Fickle hire that was all the rage. And they were like, Big Ten West, it's already done. Give Wisconsin the the title right now. They've struggled to begin their new tenure with Luke did, Fickle. Did you see the audience, the the crowd at the last Wisconsin game last weekend? I did there, not. What was it like? There. Oh. There's nobody there. Like the the, the Wisconsin fan base just did not show up for that Northwestern game. So like a lot of the energy, I mean, you heard me talk about it. Like I wasn't sold on Wisconsin this year. I thought it would, it was going to take a little time, but whatever, you know, 
energy that Luke Fickle had brought in um, at the beginning of the season, I think some of their losses the last couple of weeks, they, they've got some, you know, changes to be made uh, as well because they're losing their fan base. I was shocked in Madison that there was such, such a small, sparse crowd there. Yeah, and that's a team that's right in that bowl kind of range. It's not like this Wisconsin team is one and whatever. They're five and five. They're still fighting for that bowl game. And I know it's not to Wisconsin's expectations, but for Luke Fickle in his first year, making a bowl game is vitally important uh, to maintain that recruiting momentum, especially with how he's recruited in the transfer portal. Matt Rule at Nebraska. They've been better than I think uh, people have anticipated Nebraska being in year one. He's kind of righted some of the wrongs that Scott Frost has had as a program. So that's good work. Northwestern, it's going to be seen what's going to this program's going to look like long term. But I, I, you got to respect the passion play that this team has fought for their interim coach with. Iowa is Iowa. They're going to make a change at offensive coordinator this offseason. We'll see what that looks like. Minnesota with P.J. Fleck, I think that's the biggest disaster zone right now in all the Big Ten West of moving into this newfangled Big Ten when you're adding four new programs. Because what are you truly recruiting with if you're P.J. Fleck? You've been there for so long. You have not truly reached the precipice that you really wanted to. And the momentum seems to be declining ever so slightly. But as we've seen as Illini fans, that momentum can snowball pretty freak, pretty fast like we've seen with Illini basketball of the past with Bruce Weber and John Gross. So that's danger zone for Minnesota. And then Purdue with Ryan Walters, I'll give him some credit for his recruiting this offseason. I think that's going to be a great program uh, moving forward just because of Ryan Walters' energy and the former Illini staff that he brought in. I think that's going to look good. But Illinois, you look at them in the future, they are in as good a position as any of these Big Ten West teams to at least make some noise against the likes of USC, UCLA, Washington, Oregon, and then whatever Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State look like in the future as well. If, and I know you're going to agree with me because this is mainly your point, talking point, if we can step up our recruiting. Yeah. You know, that's the one thing that we are still missing. I, I think it's no question right now we have the best offense in the Big Ten West. You know, we do have a decent base of talent, but we don't have the blue chippers. You know, Devin Weatherspoon left last year. Johnny Newton's gone. We, we got him for two more games this year. You know, mm-hmm. enjoy that. Cherish every single snap because we're going to be missing him next year. You know, uh, we can get – we're starting to get the Illinois players. Great. But you know what? Now those teams that are coming in next year, they aren't the Minnesota-level guys. They're, they're not the, you know – Purdue, you know, Wisconsin, get the three-star and develop them into four or five stars. No, Oregon's getting their share of five stars, you know, predominantly Mm -hmm. four stars. USC, same thing. So with the talent influx that's coming in, um, I'm super confident for our chances compared to the teams you just compared us to, except for maybe Nebraska. I really like Matt Rule, and I think Nebraska, you know, that name, brand – can bring in the top level talent just because of their history. But while we can be okay against the teams that we're similarly on the same tier with now, we're going to really have to make an upgrade on the type of talent that we bring in in order to compete with USC, 
Oregon, and now we're going to have to play Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State a lot more often. And I, I think Brett Bielema, if you gave him some truth juice, I feel like he would tell you, yeah, I should have attacked the portal a little bit hard, harder than just with Luke Altmeyer. I think that was just a lack of strategy in the offseason and something that's very fixable. I don't think he's like Debo Sweeney, who is going to be like, no transfer portal ever. We're not doing that. I think Brett just had some bad eternal scouting going on, and I think that's going to correct this year, especially seeing more tape of some of the guys that he had strong beliefs in this offseason. So I think the transfer portal will be a very viable option for Illinois. But I think that stems on if you get one more win. I think just being in that bowl game picture, having that stat of two straight bowl seasons is going to be absolutely huge. And I think that game against Northwestern is very well going to decide it. And Illinois had some clunkers at home for sure. I know they beat Indiana at home, but you you got to play better at home. And I think that's going to be that huge thing against Northwestern. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, as we're talking about how we've salvaged the season, I think Brett is also, again, we talk about that truth juice, uh, internally grateful that he's smart enough to know that he miscalculated this whole, his transfer strategy this past mm-hmm. offseason. So while it looked like it was headed towards disaster, I think I would be shocked if he wasn't a lot more aggressive bringing in outside talent this next offseason to you know, offset some of the guys that we were uh, that we're going to be losing, and uh, you know, and again, he's very lucky that in a, such a drastic misfire, you know, we are still capable. We're going to win at least five, if not six or seven games. I mean, he's going to have also some big time recruiting uh, storylines to tell these high school recruits and these transfer portal guys. Devin Witherspoon very well may be the defensive rookie of the year having him as your poster child for Illinois secondary help. I think that could be huge. I mean, city Brown is playing big minutes on an eight and one NFL team. Chase Brown is on a roster of possible AFC champion. I mean, there are men's storylines that you can point to of Brett Bielema's coaching ability. And you're adding in Jerson Newton and Keith Randolph to those storylines. So I, I don't think Illinois had that in quite a while where you had this depth of NFL roster talent that you can point to if you're Brett Bielema. So you got to go back to maybe 07, 08 um, in that sort of realm to get the kind of depth of guys that are in the NFL that wore the orange and blue. So I think that's going to really help Brett as well after this season and be like, hey, look at Devin Witherspoon. Hey, look at Johnny Newton. And and not a lot about these other Big Ten West programs programs can really talk about that and I think that's kind of the level of recruiting that you're going up against um, right now and then when you, you step up the program then you can start competing against the likes of uh, of Penn State and Washington and Oregon if we get to be that lucky and move up the Big Ten pecking order yeah, I mean our, our offensive line will be a year older next year you know we'll have Luke under center Hopefully we can find the NIL funds to convince uh, Isaiah Williams to stay another year. And, you know, that's a foundation. Caden obviously will be back. He'll just be a sophomore. That's a foundation for a very solid offense right there, right down in there. Obviously, defense is going to be a huge question mark because of what we've seen this year. 
Um, a lot of our talent there is on the younger side, so you would hope and expect some progression. But you know, there might. I think that's where we may need to attack the transfer transfer portal a little bit more aggressively. You know, spend some of the NIL funds. Uh, you know that we may or may not have. But um, you know, it's I get it. It's just nice to know that we're not. We're just kind of patching up a tiny hole now, as opposed to you and I trying to figure out does Brett get another year? Like you know, we're not mm-hmm. doing any hot seat conversations. Uh, so uh, compared to a month ago, you know, this is a huge step up. Absolutely. I mean, just the fact that we're talking about the minutia and the roster elevation to get to that next level is just amazing like whenever i was producing the jeremy warner show or or tay and jay back in the day those conversations were not fun it was constantly about oh what is the next coach what is the next coach what is what does the program look like now it's fun to actually talk about like hey if you get like two great secondary pieces in the transfer portal next year could be insanely fun um or if you get one offensive line piece that you didn't have this year man that could really take this offense to the next level really help out Caden Fegan and maybe he's like the third best running back in the Big Ten his sophomore year that's amazing so I mean the fact that we're talking about this I know there's still work to be done this season but it is nice knowing that we have a coach who's won five games in a five games or more three years in a row. I mean, that's just stepping stone that you would want to see in making Illinois a consistent football program. Yeah, I mean, you know, at the, the arrow still pointed up where whereas it wasn't before. So, you know, it's it's, it's just nice. You know, it's a, the third. We finally have a back-to-back week of celebrating victories, and you know we get basketball seasons just started, so it's uh, you know we're starting to get in the grind, and the NFL is not pulling us down anymore, or sorry, the the football team is not pulling us down anymore. We're just kind of we can jump back and forth between football and basketball. You know, basketball is obviously two and zero, so it's a it's a pretty nice time right now to be an Illinois fan. Absolutely. I mean, speaking of the Illini basketball team, they won against Oakland. 64 to 53 Oakland is 0 and 2 on the year. They had a tough competition against Ohio State as well. Ohio State won that 79-73. So, Oakland's used to playing tough competition in the Big 10. But what were your thoughts on Illinois basketball's 64-53 win against Oakland? They got to figure out this start thing. Like the, how they just sleepwalk through the first 4 or 5 minutes seemingly every single game because I mean, the game that we have. It started um, out eight nothing. Yeah, it's you know we got Marquette coming up. If you, if you do that against Marquette, the game might be over in the first five minutes because they have a talent level on their team that it's going to be hard to overcome such a deficit. Um, what is it? I have no idea. I can't figure it out. Um, you know, it's Terrence obviously came back and you know basically dominated the last parts of the game to kind of close the Oakland game out but that game was just too close for too long and I feel like a lot of that reason was the hole that we dug ourselves so early in the game um, absolutely yeah good yeah I mean you look at how this game kind of transpired maybe you need to do some creative ways to get Terrence Shane in the ball early on make him assert himself 
to begin the game and then maybe that'll help you out a little bit um beyond that way so you're not starting in an 8-0 plunge uh like you did against oakland if you do that against marquette it's going to be a 13 point loss uh to marquette because teams like that will not slow down to allow you to come back up into the game um i mean you would like to see a little bit more out of like a luke goody maybe you switch things up maybe to get him going early on like there's some different uh mechanisms that you can use uh to start the game off better but i mean it's good that they can come back but you don't want to keep bringing these holes in and it's i mean let's be honest at least uh compared judging by the first two games of the season it's pretty obvious brad underwood lied to us again because we do not have a point guard I, no. I it's just I have not seen any sort of semblance of a point guard out there. Um, you know, Dre had a f- great first game. Uh, he didn't do much the second game, but that's kind of what you expect from a player like that. Ty Rogers, you know, I love the kid. You know, he he's doing his best out there, but we don't have a playmaker right now. Basically, I think as the season progresses, it. Well, we kind of talked about the season preview episode. I think it's going to be one of those where Terrence or Ty might bring it up to the court, give it to Domask, and then you just kind of run a play around him, and then you count on two or three back cuts, passes, and that's going to be the foundation of your offense because we were worried about point guard, and you know, seeing our first two games against uh, subpar competition, um, that gaping hole is still there and I, I it's it's big enough where i don't know if it's going to be something that we're going to be able to overcome and uh you know brett i love or brad i love you but stop lying to me man i mean assists don't really tell a full story of a point guard's ability too much but it is awfully telling when a guy like Coleman Hawkins has five assists and Terrence Shannon Jr. has five assists, those two guys are supposed to end possessions uh, pretty much. So the fact that they are being asked to kind of take the lead again, like I'm sure that's frustrating Coleman because that's not really going to be his game in the NBA. So he's going to be a guy that is going to be more of a defender, rim runner kind of thing, and it's not allowing him to truly develop in those roles like yes it's great for what he's doing at illinois but it's going to be troublesome for his nba draft stock with if this is how he's going to be asked to play throughout an entire college basketball year i mean he if he wants to be in the nba he's going to have to step it up a little bit because he's been invisible these first two games uh and not even that if you there are certain cuts of him in the second game where you can see him visibly frustrated you can see you know the look on his face that he wasn't very happy and so he's got to you know him and the coaching staff they got to figure something out because obviously that the role that he has played so far in the first two games isn't what he was envisioning doing his numbers have been subpar um you know we're thankful for Terrence Shannon Jr. being you know the stud that we knew he was because he's kind of been the closer for us um, the first two games, but the problem is we shouldn't have needed a closer in these first two yeah. games. You know, these should have been, I mean, I guess the first game did end up being a, like a 28-point win, but it was still closer than it needed to be in that first half. So, you know, we are we could be getting a, a rude awakening uh, in Champaign uh, this week against Marquette. A guy that I am a little worried about right now 
that I didn't think I would have been worried about is Luke Goody. He hasn't shown much even in the Kansas exhibition game, the first game or the second game. And I, I'm truly wondering what his, if he's still trying to figure out his role with like Marcus Domask coming in here and kind of being a Luke Goody upgrade in a way with all that Luke Goody can do. I mean, it's just, it's a little concerning nine points against Eastern Illinois, but uh, didn't really do much outside of rebound the ball a little bit, but this game, two rebounds, zero points, zero assists, just kind of out there doing nothing. And that's kind of concerning. It's very concerning because it's his skill set that our team needs arguably more than, you know, any other players, you know, we have replacements to, for every other player and backups to do what they do. We don't have another, you know, sharp shooting three point guy to stretch the court. So you're exactly right. You know, I, I talked about how important Goody was, you know, uh, to hitting the ceiling for this basketball team. And right now with the fact that, you know, we very obviously have a gaping hole at point guard and Luke Goody isn't really being the sixth man, the seventh man that, I was hoping he could be. Um, it's obviously super early, but my expectations for the season are, are being lowered uh, slightly. And I mean, I thought three point shooting was going to be a little bit better uh, this season just because of the passing ability as a whole for this team. Illinois was four for 16 from beyond, beyond the arc. And that just can't happen, especially in, the, in this Big Ten and this tough non-conference schedule. If you're not shooting the ball well, that just immediately makes everything else more difficult because guys will be piling in the paint. Then Terrence Shannon will probably be driving in. There's no really threat to expand the offense uh, for the defense to look out for. So that's kind of what I am also concerned about other than the point guard position. Obviously, it's our two main weaknesses that we talked about in the preseason, but I figured they would be just a touch better uh, going into this part of the season. What's your – are you ready to make a game prediction for Marquette, number five team in the country, coming into Champaign? Uh, yes, I am ready. I think Illinois will lose by five points. I think we – What lose. are your thoughts? I, I, I think we lose, like – by like 15 to 20. I'm just not seeing it on our team right now. You know, Justin Harmon wasn't really, didn't do much that second game. I think, I don't know if the vibes on the team were just a little lot caught off by, uh, caught off guard by Sincere Harris's uh, decision after, you know, uh, but right before the season started. Um, right now, I know I can count on Terrence Chan Jr., but we still can't hit free throws. You know, our three-point shooting isn't where it needs to be. Um, I, I don't know. You know, Damascus is fine, but Coleman has been absent. I don't know if we are ready for the kind of firepower and energy that Marquette and Shaka Smart are going to be bringing into uh, Champaign this week. And so I think we lose anywhere from 15 to 20 points. I mean, there's going to have to be a lot of defensive energy expended 
by this Illinois team against the likes of Marquette with Kai Jones and uh, Tyler Kolek. I mean, the list goes on. They have five scores right now that are averaging double digits throughout these two games. So if you're expending that much energy on defense, offensively, that becomes a lot more difficult. So I need to see a lot more uh, point contributions from Luke Goody. I need to see more from Marcus Domask in the scoring column. I need to see more from Coleman Hawkins. He only had eight points in this uh, game, too. I need to see all five starters and Luke Goody having double-digit games if he, if Illinois even wants to think about winning this game because Terrence, he might have some gummy worm legs at the end of this one because if he's getting asked to do so, so much, it, it's only a matter of time before that energy level just gets decreased to zero. So the other guys have got to step up. It can't just be, hey, Terrence, are you going to save us? Please save us this game. It will not work. If we lose by five points like you kind of predicted, I think I'd be okay with that. You know, I'd, I'd be very content with that sort of game um, because some of the, you know, check marks that you just brought up now obviously occurred. You know, we had backup players uh, showing up. Someone came to help Terrence Shannon Jr. We somehow matched their energy level, which I think is going to be the biggest difference between the two teams right now. Um, you know, we just sleepwalk through the first four or five minutes every single game. And you and I already talked about, like, there's no way we can let that happen uh, against Marquette. So if, you know, we lose, I don't know, I don't even know what the spread is, but if we lose by, you know, five points or less and it's a competitive game throughout i think i will be happy with that moving forward i think that'll bode well for the rest of the season because marquette's a good team you know it's not like uh, giving up a game against oakland or eastern illinois like marquette is a legitimate one of those teams that even if you did play at your best you might just lose to um, they're the number five team in the uh, country for a reason. I think it was number five last time I checked. Um, so it's, I just want to see a good solid effort out there. I want to see someone besides Terrence show me that they're able to play offense on this team. And again, I don't, I, I don't even know what the answer is for the point guard position. Cause right now I, I just know that we don't have one. But I think as long as we can compete against Marquette, I'll be really happy moving forward. Illinois has a 60.9% chance of winning, according to ESPN's uh, Basketball Power Index. So that's a little high for me. I think this game could look like an eight or nine point game the entire game. And then Illinois does one of their fake rallies. That's why I came up with the five point loss prediction. But I, I just feel like Illinois isn't ready for the innate physicalness that Marquette is going to bring up the court in that Havoc style defense. And that's going to be a problem, especially with the point guard position being as weak as it is. This is a put up or shut up kind of game for Ty Rogers at the point guard position. You're going to need some point guard esque qualities from Marcus Tomask. And that's asking a lot of guys that haven't really showcased it too terribly much at this level. And it's like, it's, I'm not upset at Ty Rogers. You know, it's not, it's, yeah. it's not, it's, it's one of those things where I think he's a square peg being asked to fit into a circle. You know, it, like it's one of those, it's not his fault. This is definitely 
a misfire that, you know, Brad Underwood and coaching staff, obviously they were, went after Ray J who is playing wonderfully for Baylor right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like, it was, we just hope that that inability to bring in a point guard, it doesn't ultimately torpedo the season. Um, that's kind of to be remained to see, but uh, yeah, I'm curious what the spread is going to be against Marquette. Uh, I'm surprised the ESPN has that number that we're, uh, you know, that strongly uh, favored percentage wise. But um, I, if, I mean, if that's the case, I think I would easily take Marquette um, if, if I was gambling on it. For sure. And we will end on a little big 10 football talk, Sonny. The Big Ten finally came down with a hammer on Jim Harbaugh. Harbaugh is suspended for the rest of the regular season by the Big Ten. And I know that Jim Harbaugh's lawyer is going to try to put a a restraining order on this to make him be able to coach until resolution is done in the court system. But this has been the craziest story I've seen of the Big Ten in a quite some time. Normally, these stories happen in the SEC, and we're all just laughing on the sidelines. Like, ha that conference, they can't ever control themselves, can they? And really, it's the Big Ten this year that's kind of being the crazy conference with all the chaos, with all the drama, and it just does not stop. It started with Pat Fitzgerald. It, the Michigan State's had some drama as well, and now this Michigan drama is happening as we speak. I mean, it's just mind-blowing to think that this whole Connor Stallions just acted alone without any notice to Harbaugh and with all the signs and all of the laminated uh, paper that you saw with all the different hand signals like how did this not get brought to Jim Harbaugh like hey look what I have coach I have uh, all the signs uh, from other teams so just it's crazy how this is all boiled down it's just been such an exhausting college football season you know it all started with Dion mania soaking up all the oxygen. Um, that's all anyone ever wanted to talk about. Then obviously Colorado started having to play some decent teams. And so they've kind of fallen off the map and here comes Michigan and this whole Harbaugh gate or, you know, stallions gate to kind of just take over every storyline in college football. I mean, it's, it's one of those where I can't even decide which side I'm on. Because on the Michigan football side, I kind of like the fact that they're just beaten up on everyone now. And, you know, like them, you know, going into Penn State and having what was a pretty, I'm not going to say dominant win, but I think they were in control pretty much the entire entire game. So the, the Michigan football team, I actually kind of respect what they're kind of pulling off. But their fan base has been just driving me nuts in the fact how elitist and you know this team has one more national championship than we do since the 80s since the 70s you know it's we have a, a more recent rose bowl appearance than they do r- thank you so like you know the way they are just talking about how the big 10 is against us it's like yeah were they against you the covid year when your basketball team had less wins than illinois did but you were still awarded the conference regular season title were they against you then now, you know, you see these, oh, Michigan's uh, had discussions about leaving the Big Ten. No, you haven't. No, you haven't. It would do you no good to leave the Big Ten. You know, you need the Big Ten 
more than the Big Ten need to. You you go to the SEC, you're getting a uh, a worse TV deal. All that the reason people are watching your games is yeah, Michigan, you're a big brand, but it's because you're playing Ohio State. It's because you're playing Michigan State. These are big rivalries, local rivalries that you think you're going to give up because you're you got your coach got suspended for three games. I know what this is because I see it every single day as a father of a two-year-old. This is just a little tantrum for somebody who's just used to getting what they always want. And when things didn't go their way, finally, they're trying to, you know, turn around and leave the conference. Like, no, you're not. Just go ahead. Continue crying. It's, uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm tired of it. But obviously, you know, with the courts, like, uh, I, I think this is going to, there's not going to be a judgment until Friday. So this is going to be another story we're going to be hearing about all week, whether Jim Harbaugh is coaching against Maryland or not. Here, here's what pissed me off the most about Michigan right now is that they act like they're dealing with adversity. Like adversity is like if JJ McCarthy tore an ACL and you were still beating Penn State, or your coach had surgery on something, you your the town of Ann Arbor had a massive tornado. Like, oh my gosh! Like, yes, adversity. Like plowing through all of those negative things that have happened to you as a program, but being alleged at cheating. And possibly knowing about it and seeing all the video and and all of this, this is not adversity. This is like the Houston, if the Houston Astros were crying, being like, we did it. Nobody believed in us. Oh, my God. No, you did this to yourselves. Michigan, you did this to yourselves. This isn't anything outside forces against you. You did this to yourself. You can't cry whenever you finally get caught. And it's like, well, why do we have to have a punishment? Oh, what? Oh, my God. I love you, Coach Harbaugh. <laughs> Crying after the game. Like, are you serious? Like, Harbaugh didn't die. He's going to leave your asses anyway to go to the Chicago Bears after this season. It, it's not. This isn't against Michigan. This is what you guys did to yourselves. And you'd be doing the same thing and laughing at these people if it was Ohio State doing this if it was Michigan State or if it was Penn State you would be laughing and saying James Franklin should be suspended Ryan Day should be suspended no you can't cry adversity whenever you do it to yourselves I mean they got what's his oh, and my brain is failing me the uh, uh, Trestle Jim Trestle they got Jim Trestle fired over tattoos yes you know they were they kick-started that whole oh this is just not allowed and you can't let Ohio State get away with this. But where, where's that? Where'd that go? You know, that sense of, you know, being noble and always playing by the rules. You've done it to your rival. And now all of a sudden, you know, you get caught. And it's just like, oh, the whole Michigan versus everybody. It's like, no, just own it. You know, just. It, it's Michigan versus consequences. Yeah. That's that's the battle. Like right now, like if this all comes back and said, hey, Connor Stallions is actually just a criminally psycho person that did this all by himself, wrote that whole manifesto. I'd be like, OK, possibly, possibly. But I, there's got to be some Jim Harbaugh influence here. And again, he's going to go to the Bears. He's going to leave Michigan. He's tired of the NCAA and he's just going to go back to the NFL and you are going to have your next coach next next season whoever that's going to be and hopefully there's some more consequences for the University of Michigan after this with the NCAA I like the Big 10 actually acted independently because looking at how college sports work right now 
the conference is almost like the NFL. The conference is the NBA. The conference is Major League Baseball. The NCAA is irrelevant. They don't matter anymore. The conference is the one that should be disposing these punishments right away because it, it this this is the governing body nowadays. When you have 16 teams coming in uh, or 20 teams, or whatever the conference number is for each of these conferences, all the money, all, all the laws that the conferences can have, the NCAA is irrelevant. I'm happy the Big Ten stepped up and actually gave a punishment before having to wait five years for an investigation to pass, and then you're setting scholarship limits for teams in 2035 yeah exactly i mean i hope you know that's me that'd be music to my ears you know if i if i were harbaugh i would resign on the spot right now go ahead and don't let take the power back from the ncaa resign right now get hired next week by the chicago bears get your staff ready you know have, have us ready to go we got two top five picks coming up next season so you know, it's, it's just one of those things where, obviously, I think he's tired of it. I know I'm tired of it. I know who's not tired of it, and that's the media clicks. And, you know, because, you know, it, it helps get eyes and retweets and whatnot. But uh, let's just hope next week we have uh, – we still have our Iowa preview to do. Uh, we have some special guests. Uh, Austin, I think you're aware, you and I, we have a very special interview that we're going to be released, doing tomorrow and releasing uh, sometime uh, in the middle of the week, which we're really excited about. And, uh, you know, it's just going to be a fun, positive week. Hopefully, Illinois basketball team, uh, you know, holds its own against Marquette. And uh, obviously, we have a big game uh, in Iowa City uh, next Saturday, which we'll, we'll preview later. But, uh, you know, it's, it's on the up and up. I'm going to try to be positive this week. Absolutely. Illinois women's basketball, number 23 in the country. Illinois men's basketball, number 25. Uh, Illinois football could be bull bound. I mean, this is Illinois euphoria right now, and I can't let it stop. Shauna Green has done a great job. Brad Underwood, of course, doing being Brad Underwood and Brett Bielema doing great things. So, Josh Whitman, you earned your extension with just those three programs alone. So, good work, Illinois sports. It's fun to talk about. It's fun to be nationally relevant in all three of the major sports right now. So good work. And Sonny and I will be along for the ride and talk about all the twists and turns that happen. Like we have for Illinois football, uh, the ups and downs and the crazy stories along the way uh, that impact Illinois fans lives. So uh, Sonny, it was a great episode and I uh, can't wait to continue this journey going into Iowa where all you need maybe is 24 points. Maybe. <laughs> don't cancel that indianapolis reservation yet <laughs> uh that might have already been canceled a while ago after uh a date in loris kansas uh but uh, i do see your point um sunny it was a great episode and i'll talk to you again this week take care austin awesome.